Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me, Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world, it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of musicians is lost and restricted. Having both suffered in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. Today we are recording a Q&A sesh because we're celebrating having passed, we're almost, we're quite a long way past it now, but 10,000 downloads. How are you feeling about that Hattie? Having, yeah. you, you started it off, you were know. a solo mission. <sighs> Look at it now. Look at it now. I feel like, it's. it feels like a really good achievement, especially in the last year since we've been doing it together mm. it's felt like it's kind of mad it's re- yeah it's taken off and like gone in a way that I suppose it always been like the dream but never really expected that it would happen like that way um, and it's really easy to feel like you get so far with something and it's almost a feeling of like the grass is always greener and I'm sure you hear me complaining of like why am I not doing this yet like why is it not good enough yet why is it not on the world stage and it's like things like this do make you think that it's like it is an achievement even if it's not as good or yeah, whatever I guess by putting a number on something it makes it instantly comparable oh so bad like 10,000 is not enough yeah so we asked a few people for questions on as Instagram. a celebration and not many people replied <laughs> So we we literally to... flattered ourselves that like 10, 10k downloads meant 10k people to ask <laughs> 10k questions. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question first. Okay, and then I'll respond by asking you one. Or you could answer the question. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. So, uh, this is from Melissa, our friend at Boulder's Brass Podcast. If you had to give up music forever, yeah. what would you like to do instead? Starting off with a nice... Next question. If I had to give up music forever, uh, <laughs> if yeah, <laughs> uh, what I do instead? I feel like I always answer this the same way and say, you know, writing. But I, I always think like I would really love to be an author or like a poet. Mm. So another art form. Yeah, another art form for You're sure. You're a artist at heart. Yeah, I can't imagine myself doing, like, looking at globules or whatever. <laughs> what kind of globules? I don't know. Globby ones. <laughs> what about you, though? No, I was going to ask you what, what would, like, the converse... Is that... No. Maybe. Yeah, the converse. But what would... Like, if music didn't exist, or, like, if you didn't do music... What would be the worst thing you could imagine yourself doing? Ooh. 
Because obviously music is the worst thing. I would say, recently, I've really felt so horrendously bad for anyone that works in hospitality or retail. <laughs> because I have my little stint in hospitality. And I'd, re- yeah. I'd really, like, glamorised it in my head. Yeah, me too. And I actually did it. And now every time anyone serves me, I'm like, are you okay in yourself, though? Because yeah. <laughs> this is the worst fucking job. And how many hours have you been here already? Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that would be the worst job because it's not creative. It's... You're always being shouted at. You're always doing something slightly wrong. I was really shit at it. I didn't get anything good out of it, really, at all. I met some nice people, but other than that... But even if you're good at it, the you don't really, like, you don't get paid anymore. You, like, you might yeah. get promoted, but even then you're still essentially doing the same job. Like, Just being a bit more bossy. Yeah. I really... If anyone is working in hospitality or retail... We hope you're okay. Honestly, like, it's, it's the hardest job. I just... I really, you know, nothing's worse than that in my opinion. <laughs> but to be a, an author or poet, you'd have to have a job like that. Well, exactly. That's the thing. This is kind of money, no object, <laughs> I suppose. Like That's the thing. I was so like, oh, I could so easily be a barista on the side. Mm. It's like, that is so easily going to get horrendously boring. Yeah. So, Rebecca. Yes. This is a question from my sister, Philippa. What is your coffee order? My coffee order. Well, okay, so I feel like if I'm around cool people, I'll say oat flat white, because I feel like flat white is cooler than a latte. It is. Latte's far too milky. But I don't actually like flat whites that much because they're quite bitter. And okay. They, and they're quite small and intense. So if I was actually just by myself, I'd say an oat latte, because I Aww. feel like it's more diluted and I can deal with it better. That's really nice. To be honest, I'm probably getting my coffee on the way to teaching or somewhere. So if I pick up anything to eat on the side, it'll have to be, like, eatable on the goable. Right. So what would you normally get? a piece of cake or something, because that's quite hard to... Like, a croissant or something is quite good, because you can tear bits off and then stuff it in your face. But then pastry, it goes all down you, and then you've got to turn up to teaching with a croissant catastrophe all over you. Mind you, the vegan ones aren't that, that flaky, are they, really? No, kind of stringy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, wait, let me try and guess your coffee order. It's quite predictable, I feel. Is it soy? Soy, really? No. You said, you, oh, I guess that's in tea you prefer soy. Soy and tea. Okay, so oat. Oat. Flat white. That's it. Because you're cool. Oat flat white, because... But I've also like an oat cortado. Is that the cold one? No. Hot one. It's a hot one. You're thinking of the Afghan. It's, like, it's going to be cold or hot, isn't it? It's it's like a it's like a flat white, but like one step. You'd hate it because it's like one step less milky. Oh no, I can't do that. It's like basically a double espresso with a little bit of milk. A milky boy. A milky boy. Yeah. I just really like strong coffee. Honestly, thanks, Pip. Very good question. Good, yeah, good question. None of this music stuff. Um. Oh, I have a deep one. Go on. From. Lucia or Lucia. Lucia. I can never remember which one it is. I'm Lucia. really sorry. Um, how to deal with friends succeeding at something you wanted? Oh, oh my god. I feel like we need a bit of a silence for this. Yeah, we'll crop out this half an hour of silence whilst we think about it. We think and cry. So, 
I feel like I've had this so many times, just in little ways. Yeah. So, like, at college, for example, someone might get on a scheme. <sighs> Do you know what I mean? I feel like the, the schemes at the music colleges in London are the epitome of depression for anyone that doesn't get on the scheme. Don't even get me started. So, I've, you know, like in college, there was one, I think there was one cellist that got on the ENO scheme and there was another cellist that got on the LSO, maybe? Maybe not. Another scheme, anyway. The schemes are basically just giving you stuff that you have at music college and you've got to then miss stuff at music college to go and do this scheme. Then you get some professional work out of it sometimes, don't you? Yeah, maybe, but it's also like it's not just supposed to be work it's supposed to be lessons which you get at music college like coaching chamber you're trying to convince yourself that you don't want a scheme yeah I'm trying to convince (laughs) myself that the reason I've never gotten to a scheme is because it's not in line with my values (laughs) (laughs) nothing to do with jealousy nothing I've never been jealous in my life anyway continue I'll just block my ears yes I've definitely had friends that have like got things that I've wanted and it's that like conversation with them when you like you really, I feel like we're in so much denial about jealousy where you, you kind of, you congratulate them, but like deep down you've like been torn, not torn apart necessarily, but you are really disappointed. It really gets, yeah. It really does. I don't really know. I feel like I've just, in the end, it got to a point with me where I just didn't go for stuff because I knew I wouldn't get it, you know? Yeah. Which is a really, I don't know if that's a good attitude, but I think it's hard when you do know that the same people are going to get it all the time often in college anyway what was the original question do you remember exactly um how to deal with friends succeeding at something you wanted succeeding at something you wanted i feel like especially when you're really like self-aware or like you work like doing the work that we do that's kind of about mental well-being and this kind of stuff there's a pressure for everything to be like not like pretty but fair and like rational and like Mm. but I feel like yeah I I don't do very well when people when my friends succeed at things that I wanted and I think actually the best thing in dealing with that is just accepting that that's going to be a thing yeah um and actually, it's just like recognizing that you have to sit in that kind of bitterness of that emotion, and it will pass. Mm. But not having this pressure to be like, I mustn't be jealous, or I mustn't be bitter about anything. Mm. I don't know. It feels like with music, it's always about getting into something or being accepted into something. Yeah, isn't it? There's kind of not many other examples of where that happens. I don't know, of like friends succeeding at something you wanted well like competing for the same thing even if you're on a different instrument like there's only so many places on a scheme or something i think this comes into where like for me anyway having a friend in a different section of the orchestra or like a different or just not a musician at all like or even just seeing a therapist i remember crying and crying to my therapist because i got like as far as I've seen it, like a really bad mark in one of my end of year exams. And she was just there, like, really supportive, but kind of just watching her listen to me, I was like, this means nothing to her. Like, life has just continued, and I'm acting as if it's over. 
just because my whole life is music and all my friends are musicians and compared to them I feel like my life's over but like once you step outside of the bubble you realise that people fail and succeed all the time I don't know I'm simplifying it too much no no I know what you mean especially in the classical music world it feels like there's a handful of opportunities that everybody goes for but in reality if you talk to any musician any orchestral musician any ensemble musician contemporary musician whatever they've all had a different path like yeah lots of people that we've interviewed have been to Chets or Wells or something but past that point I don't think we've interviewed a single person that's had the same path from there onwards they've been so interesting I feel like the people we've interviewed at least in the last few months it's been one of the biggest kind of privileges to have their stories in my mind because I feel like I go back to them so often and it just rationalizes things for me yeah to think like they've done it differently so so can I kind of thing mm-hmm. I find it really like yeah inspirational comforting comforting but uh I think there's a sense for me where I I feel like with everything I do I don't like being the one that's not the best at it so I think part of why I kind of feel now like I want to do a slightly different path if I'm really honest with myself a lot of it's to do with the fact that I have seen my friends succeeding at something I wanted Yeah. so because I can't succeed in that way I'm like well I'd rather succeed at something else instead yeah and I kind of wish I'd not be so bitter and just continue but like I feel like a lot of people feel the same way but either wouldn't admit it or don't realise it I think yeah. it's very common to feel like, well, if I can't have that, I won't have it at all. Yeah, completely. Am I asking you a question now? I don't know. I think so. Should we do some, like, just funny ones? They are pretty funny. And what's your number one comfort food? It's going to sound really weird, but I really no. like plain rice. If Stuart and I cook something with rice and there's, like, rice left over in the pan, oh, I will yeah. eat all, all of it. And like, it is I love sushi, but mostly because it's mostly rice. Yeah. Vegan sushi is the best because there's no yeah. fish in it. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> I so agree with you. I'm going to try and guess yours. Okay. I don't think I'm going to get it. I think you should guess. Um, Popcorn. <laughs> Comfort food. Oh, yeah. Um, potatoes. Oh, how vile. Oh, no, okay. I like potatoes, but it's not my comfort food at all. I don't know. There's so many out there that it could be. Comfort food. Yeah, you don't even know. There's one came, the one that came to me. Yeah. And if I overthink it, I would be like, no, but probably macaroni cheese. Oh, that's true, actually. Like, oh, something hot and cheesy is very... It, something about it that just hugs you. It really does. Or, like, I really like... A veggie full English. Oh yeah. With like hash browns, I find them really comforting. Hash browns are good. I have a question for you. Yeah. Thinking back to like the first episode you did. Mm-hmm. Is this, is, this is celebrating. Oh, I see. Yeah. Things musicians don't talk about. Taking stock. Taking stock. Do you feel like you've changed since the person mm. that you were in that first episode? Yes, definitely. Wow. It's funny because I think. It, I don't. I always worry to like admit it, but I do listen to them back now and again. Yeah. Like because I think a lot of YouTubers admit to watching their videos back as well. Like it's it's interesting to hear yourself back then. I feel like 
when I listen to myself back, I <laughs> I almost feel like I've got a bit more tough. But I, I kind of, like, I think that was important. Like, since when I went to the convent, which is where I kind of, I feel like I changed the most, when I entered into that environment, I was very much like, I'm this person that's failed, I'm this ill, like, person, I don't know, I feel really lost. And I kind of entered out of that feeling a lot more like, I don't give a fuck what anyone (laughs) thinks like I'm gonna advocate for this no matter what you know do you think that would have happened if the pandemic hadn't have happened no uh maybe not then maybe not I don't know if the pandemic kind of happened I still would have definitely had a big period of like like I could feel it coming before the pandemic you know I could Mm -hmm. feel like the cello is feeling weird like you need something else in your life for sure Mm. but I don't know kind of going back to your question it's a difficult one because I feel I've definitely changed but part of me feels like I was a bit (laughs) a bit nicer back then I think the more I've delved into these Mm. problems the more angry I've become about some of them I don't know if it's because we feel like recording this when I'm on my period and I'm just feeling (laughs) generally angry but now my whole job is surrounding like sort of being on Twitter and seeing anyone say anything and I don't know. I wonder whether you were not necessarily nicer but just more naive like about the extent of the problems and actually I feel similarly that the more that I learn about things the yeah there's this dual thing of like I really care and I get really like pissed off about stuff but I also don't care at all about, I don't know, more to do with worries I've had about like how people perceive me yes, or like yes. this kind of stuff. But it's this dual thing of like tossing all your cares away and like gathering all this mm. worry about or like anger about things. Mm. Um, but I think it's natural when you're researching and just surrounding yourself with injustices all the time yeah (laughs) yeah because it's the thing like to be mentally sane you do also have to like be able to distance yourself from that Mm. one thing i've learned through the counseling training is that Mm. counselors and therapists always have supervision so they always get to offload onto somebody else and as much as what we do isn't counseling or therapy in any way um there's a sense of we we talk with people about their problems or things that they faced and it's very easy to just hold it yeah all yeah um which i know like is a very foreseeable danger but sometimes i feel like there's a reason why people have supervisions and people to talk to totally i mean yeah we've been saying about that recently of like trying to think about how we space the episodes out and like how we hold space for people properly and not try and cram things in because there's a temptation with something like this that you want to get as much content out there as possible and like you know with the whole algorithm bollocks it's like you feel really pressured to like churn stuff out yeah like even the past few days i've been like oh we haven't posted anything yeah. on instagram like i need to think of something to like yeah i came up with that thing about the holiday um well done but lots of engagement there babes well, yeah but then i'm a bit sad that i basically just yeah. did that because i was like oh we should put something out there it's funny isn't it it's really funny 
Yeah, I also think the another thing that's changed really positive with having you here, which is a massive change. Like, and I've said this before, but before every episode, and they'd all be on Zoom in the beginning, mm. every episode I would be really anxious, like really anxious about hot, like because these are big topics, and like the I knew the project was big, and I had never interviewed people before, so it was like oh my god what am I doing like I'm so unsure of my capability with Mm. with interviewing anyone or holding space for anyone so I think in the beginning like talking to people was terrifying and I just had to just keep saying like it's about them not you it's about them and not you oh my god it's all about them and not you (laughs) you, I find it really funny because I hate talking on the phone with I I will never phone call someone yeah but I'm quite happily like to interview someone yeah me too so funny do you think your interview style has changed since you started or do you feel more confident about interviewing um there are actually things I think I was better at in the start funnily enough I think there were some things were more natural in the start and I, I think it's easy to get into a little bit of a rhythm with the things you ask people yeah you know what I mean and you hold expectations on yourself of like I've got to make this the best interview because I've been doing it for a while mm. whereas at the start you're like oh well we'll just see how this goes and yeah like, if I'm not good at it I have an excuse because I haven't really done it yeah yeah completely and but actually I think one thing my interview style has definitely changed because things that you ask and that you say will like trigger a question in me mm. which is so cool I love that that it's spontaneity really it's really useful because I'm like oh my god yeah like I've got another thing to do with what Rebecca said that like mm. I want to ask as well um but I also feel it's become more of like a friendship conversation and I think I don't I'm not sure but like it feels like some of our conversations have been deeper with three people in them um because yeah just because it's more of a chat yeah I just find the I, I don't know about you but I find the energy of the interview so interesting when we're like especially in person it's like baffling to me it feels like we're literally on a different planet how it can like start when there's like this tension yeah and we're like rock up to somebody's house or like yeah. they come to us and we're like doing all the formalities like hi nice to meet you do you want a cup of tea yeah and then by the end we're like sharing all our deepest darkest secrets and like it's only like within maybe an hour and a half or something we've become like best friends it seems it's so weird it's really interesting it's like it's unlike it feels like a sort of symphony a whole really over exaggerating it that's so a really baffling <laughs> but it is just like there are like these like silent moments and then these like moments where I'm thinking shit I've asked a really stupid question or like I've commented something really stupid like gone too far gone too far yeah or like something you've asked has gone a bit wrong or not that that happens very often but there's no tension. but then it like tends to come back and then yeah you might circle around something for a little while before like hitting the real crux of the matter or yeah then like trying to find a way to like round it up at the end without it being like really abrupt and yeah it's true actually as much as I hated the analogy it is like a symphony (laughs) (laughs) gotta think that's me yeah oh I have a question for you though (sighs) sorry I just want to know it felt to me like interviewing and like talking with people was like really natural to you 
did you know that you were like good at it before you joined no i especially when i was a kid i was always really shy like i remember my parents would always try and encourage me to be less shy and like talk to people at like family events and stuff because i just wouldn't talk to anybody i'd want to like play my game boy in the corner um and then like then when i got to like secondary school and i suffered with my mental health and eating disorders and stuff i became so isolated and then even at like guild hall i felt quite isolated and i've always really had a problem with talking to people Wow. And it really felt like the podcast gave me a platform to... Yeah, as you say, because it's about them, not about you. Mm-hmm. So I felt a lot more confident in asking them questions. That I, like, I've always been interested in getting to know people, but never wanted to go through the process of, like, right. exposing myself to them. So it feels like if they expose themselves to me, that's fine. And as an interviewer, you don't necessarily expose yourself yeah or like that's the thing where a podcast is slightly different to like an interview that you do bring in your own take on it i think also having done so many of the first ones on zoom kind of helped ease into it i think if we'd have gone straight into in-person things i would have freaked out a bit but like i just don't think you realize how good so many of your questions are and like how natural your presence is for people like no it just feels like you've like been to courses in it and shit like (laughs) I guess I was the narrator in my school play, if that's ever happened. But, like, now do you feel, like, different? Yeah, I feel like it's helped my social... Like, outside of the podcast, I feel a lot more confident. Even just, like, going to teacher's drinks or, like, parties and stuff, I feel a lot more able to hold a conversation with somebody and actually have, like, a good conversation without getting really stressed about, like oh, if I go to this party and I don't really know people, like, what are we going to talk about? Mm. I feel like I can always just interview them if I get stuck. That's so interesting, because I feel the same after concerts. Because mm. now, with my job... With my job... Wait, do you have a job? I got, do you know I have a job? <laughs> Shop music, yeah? Uh, but, like, I so often go to, like, either a thing at the interval or a thing afterwards. Mm. And, as you say, like, I feel a lot more easy with just kind of being in the presence of musicians who, in the beginning, I thought were, like, miles above me, and I was really starstruck by loads of these people, like Elena Uriosti and, mm. like, Laura van der Hayden, and, like, talking to them, I'm just like, what the hell? They literally are just... They feel the same as me. Feel the, <laughs> exactly the same, have the same problems, have, like, the same... Many of the same things. Like, I, I do put successful people on a pedestal, but I feel like through the podcast, it's... You brought them back down to earth. I brought them back down to earth. No, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like it is no. interesting. It is. I never thought that like being on a podcast could help my life outside of the podcast in such like a tangible way. Whoa. I never realised. That's just so amazing. I could never talk to people. But that just that baffles me. And like, I, I often felt like people would say to me when I would talk to them about my anxiety a lot people would say I would never think you had anxiety yeah does it feel like that where I am when I'm like oh for sure it, I could never imagine you being socially anxious like, it's like this little child inside me that's like I guess yeah for a long time it felt like I was kind of putting on this exterior of like oh I can talk to people but yeah. now it feels less like just an exterior and more just like me <gasps> that's so great that's because people that like people I should be so honored to be in your in your presence Aww. and like hear your 
Here I self self <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Here you thanks. Um, we have a question from your brother. Oh, go on. How many saints went marching in? <laughs> How many saints are there actually? It's got to be a few thousand. Are you googling it? How it's cheating. Many saints are there? Guess. Oh, we're talking about like actual saints. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe like two thousand. <gasps> two. Is that your guess? Yeah. There are more than ten thousand saints oh, recognised. Like ten thousand downloads. Oh my god, that's mental. Maybe it is a code. That's so cool. Wow. There's a saint for every download. Okay, well, that's, I think I'm not going to read the rest of your brother's ones because they're a bit. Um... Let me see. Describe the concept of fragility in four words or less. Oh no. Who was Otto van Bismarck and why did he have a lovely bottom? <laughs> How much methane does an octopus produce annually on average? And why is Matthew Good so fucking hot? See, this is like when we say not many people got in touch with questions, we really meant it. Like. <laughs> I think he guys you've let us down yeah he sent us five questions and that was the the most I think we had I don't know Pippa's got a nice question oh, yeah have you got any plans for the coming year like maybe like a you know non-music related maybe or like where do you see yourself or your career in like a year if that's not too triggering hopefully more money oh um I think I see I see it being more manageable. Like the more I go along, the more I'm figuring out how much is too much for me. Mm. Um, right. And I feel like uh, this might be a slight over exaggeration, but the more time that goes on, the more I get to know like what feels right for me, rather than just yeah. taking on stuff because I'm like, oh, I've got to take it on, and then regretting it, and then. Yeah. So I feel like I'm better at saying yes to the right things for me. But we'll see. You still feel like there's a lot of things that you wish you hadn't said yes to or Yeah, or like Yeah. I guess I'm more accepting of the idea that I do love teaching, but I don't want it to be like the main percentage of my week. Mm. For example. Yeah. Um and that I want there to be space in my week for other things. And that doesn't just mean, like, time-wise, that means energy-wise. So, actually, it might not be sustainable for me to do, like, a day of whole class trumpet teaching because it's exhausting. So, figuring out how to create space through my teaching for other things while still earning money. It's so hard. It's so hard. In terms of how you manage, like, your anxiety alongside mm. thinking ahead to the future. Like, I guess for you that's a big part of what yeah. makes you anxious. Yeah, actually, feeling like I'm not in control of my life usually causes a lot of anxiety and often stems from saying yes to everything mm. because I feel like I don't want to let people down. Um, which I guess is quite common, but I've been trying to be more proactive in not doing that. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, but, you know, I know this makes me a bit anxious, but I've got to keep doing it. And I think having been in kind of the depths of having a really full schedule of things that I didn't really want to be doing over the past few months has been quite a good, like, visceral experience of why I'm not going to do that again. Mm. Maybe. 
Is that another part of like maybe slightly glamorising being a full-time teacher or... Yeah, and as much as I know that I'm a people pleaser and I'm like the first one to admit that I am, there's also always been like a certain pride in being like, oh, my weakness is that I'm a people pleaser. And everyone's like, oh, that's so nice. Like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, no, it is. Like, what a nice weakness to have. Like, it's when people say in like, interviews, like, yeah. what's your weakness? And you're like, oh, I guess I'm just like too perfect. That's sometimes. hilarious. So I feel like actually experiencing the tangible negative effects of being a people pleaser has yes. been really useful yes um but i also it's taken a little while for it to catch up with me but not doing like any physical movement or like taking time for not necessarily like full-on meditation but like that kind of side of things it's really caught up with me now where i can feel the effects of not having done anything like that like i haven't moved my body i haven't like looked inside my mind properly Mm. and so actually I know that as much as you know you don't get paid for that I know that it has to be an essential part of my week which it sucks like I really I really don't like the fact that it has to be yeah like how do you approach like moving your body without it becoming like in any way disordered there's something that I just don't know yeah that's what I don't understand either I don't know how I really resent having to do it because of how difficult it is to get into a place of feeling good about it um so I'll keep you updated I don't know yeah it just made me think back to like like last night I went out with my brother and like we ate a lot of food like I can't like it was I don't know, like, as it was happening, as as we were eating more and more food, like, it was so fun, because we haven't done that for so long, we literally just went, like, everywhere we love going, and, like, oh. ate some really good food, like, he picked me up from work, then I had, like, a matcha and a donut, and yoghurt. Oh my god, <laughs> and a then, sucky yoghurt. A sucky yoghurt. Oh my god, that's gross. <laughs> and then we went for pizza, and then after oh. the pizza, I went and got frozen yoghurt from Snog, you know yeah. Snog? yeah. And after all of that, I literally, in the past, would have forced myself to walk home yeah. from there. Yeah. And that's like an hour and a half's walk. Yeah. But I was like, I, you know, I had this like awful feeling of guilt. And then I was just like, what the fuck has all this been for if you just don't trust that you yeah. had a nice time? But it, it is because I'm like, oh, how do I know where the line crosses between just walking for fun and then walking because I'm like whether I realise it or not trying to restrict or whatever I think something that I sometimes come back to that helps is if this was cancelled like if my run was cancelled or something uh, would I feel anxious about it Ooh. and usually if I'm just doing it for fun I know that I can find that joy somewhere else or I can do it tomorrow or something but if it's becoming disordered, I get really anxious, like, oh my god, but I've eaten this thing today, and, like, I ate that yesterday. Oh, wow. I think that's being... I mean, it doesn't always work, but it's quite a useful one. So is that one where you, like, you're not sure? Yeah. You ask yourself that question? Yeah. I'm like, so, for example, in that situation, if I... The walk home had been, like, in a disordered mindset for me, 
I know that postponing that walk until tomorrow would make me anxious because I'd be thinking about the food that I ate now mm, yeah. rather than, oh, I'm sure I'll find joy in it tomorrow. That's so interesting, putting it to tomorrow. That's so useful because it's like, I would never want to do an hour and a half walk tomorrow for something I've just eaten now. Like, yeah, I want to exactly. get rid of it now, you know? Yeah, anyway. and that's why it's really useful for me anyway. Thank you for that. That's really that's really helpful. That's all right, baby. Uh, what about that one from Melissa? No, what one? Well, we got how do you spend your downtime? We've also got if you ah. had to have an extra nose on your body, where would you put it? <laughs> so if I had, to, I'll start with the nose. Uh, extra nose on my body. That's so weird, Melissa. What the hell? Yeah, where did you get this from? Maybe like, like would you put it somewhere that you? could smell something yeah or would you put it somewhere that like you're unlikely to smell something like your elbow yeah good good one probably my elbow they'd be quite hard to find t-shirts and stuff that had enough room for your nose no no because your nose would be like the point of your elbow would be part of your nose i oh, feel okay, yeah. i designed my nose like that anyway what if you had a runny nose though like would it that's fine leak for your t-shirt that's okay you put tampons up there <laughs> Just wrap it up. Just wrap it up. Okay. And what do you do in your downtime? What do I do in my downtime? So, I have a collection of hobbies that are quite dull, really. I've done them my whole my whole adult life. You message me. I message Rebecca. Go on TikTok. You listen to filth. I listen to a lot of rap. But I have a lot of other, like, artistic interests. I suppose so one of my favourite things to do is write poems because um, I'm a fucking nerd <laughs> I also love going to a coffee shop early in the morning and writing poems or reading a book really on nice. my own if anyone else is there fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is my time uh, and one other thing I like doing but I don't do it very often because I feel like it takes so much time. Is drawing? Mm. I really enjoy. Oh, you're really good at drawing. Thank you. Um, and I like painting as well. I like like abstract watercolor painting. You're too cool for me. I don't do that often though. It's a thing. I'm like. That's even cooler. But no, because it, I just this is a thing that I hate about hobbies, and I hate about the internet is that the internet is always just the slightly easier thing to do than any of my hobbies. Yeah. Like, Stuart and I, before bed, like, we'd be trying to read before we go to sleep. You guys are such an old couple. Yeah, and, like, I immediately turned over and started reading my book, which I'm not enjoying, but I kept going with it. And he turned over, but on the way to his book, he spent, like, 20 minutes on his phone (laughs) scrolling in between, like, the conversation we'd had and, like, turning over to get his book. Literally. And I was like, you're on your phone? He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I mean, I can't tell you what to do, but... It's just that instant gratification thing, isn't it? So much easier than reading. That's the point, I guess. What about you? What's you? What do you do in your downtime? I feel like you're quite cool. I don't know. Mostly sleep. Like, I'm not even joking. It's been my first two days of the holiday. Today and yesterday. And I spent both afternoons just, like, sleeping or watching iPlayer in bed. Oh, I love that, though. I would have more hobbies if I didn't resent having to get better at them to do them. Well, that's only running, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, but also like 
I did yoga today, which was nice, but now I'm like, oh, I have to do yoga again to, like, reap the benefits That's of it. That's such a musician thing, isn't it? And then the other day I, like, did some gardening, and it's like, oh, but I've got to do it again because the weeds are going to grow back. And I like I like having an odd, like... That's really interesting. ...one-off thing. Yeah, like, that's I, so I love true. drawing. I'm really bad at it, but I'll do it one time. Or, like, I got into calligraphy a while ago. Oh, wow. That was really nice. But I think because there's this longevity that I've got to have with music and podcasts, I really like just being able to dip in and out of things. Yeah, that's so nice. But I'm kind of shit at all these things. No, you're not shit. I am. You haven't seen my garden? <laughs> I hate gardening with a burning passion. Like, my mum takes me around her garden, and I can appreciate it because she puts so much work into it, and I can enjoy the garden. But it takes so much work. But it takes so much work. And my garden is covered in cat poo. That, exactly. Like, I'm just like, babe, I just cannot get into it. People love to know the names of shit, and she's really good at knowing what goes with what and when you plant what and like the moon she like does plant stuff to do with the moon and what? stuff yeah wow i know gravity and stuff i'm interested though now yeah with your life my life which is one next to my life is the most interesting thing in my life you mean above your life <laughs> <laughs> but with your life in terms of like the future mm. which i hate people talking about yeah. And obviously having had a lot of rejection recently, has it made you like rethink what you want to do eventually or become eventually or succeed in or whatever? Yeah, I think I think it hasn't necessarily changed the outcome of what I want, but it's changed the methods in which I plan to get there. Mm. So, I think the rejections have been a really good springboard to have other conversations with other people about auditions and stuff so I had some really interesting conversations last week with people about auditions and one of them was like um this other trumpet player they said you know I've just decided I'm not going to do auditions anymore and it felt like such an empowering choice that they'd made and I resonated so thoroughly with all the reasons that they gave and I was like actually and you know they they do loads of work in London they're really busy and I totally admire them. And so I can totally imagine myself not doing auditions and just picking out work in ways that suit me and my mental well-being better. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether I have the guts to like put that into effect, but it's definitely been at, like a thinking point of, I don't have to do these auditions. Just because they come up doesn't mean I have to apply for them. And yeah, I've always had this idea of like, I'm bad at auditions as kind of an excuse for not doing it well at them. But actually, I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that like, I don't really perform that well under pressure. And I know that performances in general as a musician are, you know, you could say that they're under pressure. But if I'm in a comfortable environment working with people that I feel comfortable with, I can play well. Yeah. But it's the pressure in an audition situation that I really just haven't been able to do well in yet. And I'm not sure that I want to. I'm not sure if I want to put the work in to be good at auditions. That's exactly what I was thinking about them too. So I could totally imagine myself, especially the more I go down this counselling course, I could totally imagine myself being like half the week a freelance trumpet player, half the week a counsellor. Good for you. That's so cool. And never having to do an audition again. 
oh my that's so freeing does that yeah. feel freeing like to you yeah I mean there's still like a large portion of my brain that's like yeah but you're not gonna say no to an audition if it comes up just yet but I feel like it's, it's the process. start of something new yeah what what um, Jossie said actually about giving up the horn it's taking her ages to give up the horn and yeah. to like get past that grief I'm not saying you're giving up the trumpet but giving no. up an audition is similar to that in like it feels like it because it's what you've always done it's like god it's going to take ages for you to kind of rewrite that passage in your brain of like you are worthy without having to do this and strive for this in my universal credit meeting it was quite interesting when my coach was like and so how do you get your like most of your work and I started off by saying, well, auditions. And I was like, <laughs> I haven't got any work through auditions. No. Why did I say that first? Like, it's through friends, through colleagues. It's okay not to do them. Mm. It doesn't make you a worse musician if you're not doing auditions. I mean, look at Stuart. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Before you arrived, I had a bit of a... A wobble. A wobble. And I always get this, like, this is just so annoying. Like, it's really hard to admit because it just feels annoying. But I have this, like, ongoing anxiety to collect to my OCD around my health. And I have literally got one of the most mild colds in the history of colds but what happens with my OCD is like any slight difference in my body I feel it like a hundred times so before you arrived I wound myself up into a frenzy and thought I couldn't breathe and then I thought maybe I've got like some kind of issue and I felt like my throat was closing up and I felt like my tongue was swelling and I just I think in in those moments the only thing I have to remember is like the worst thing that's going to happen right now is you're going to have a panic attack and luckily I've had enough now that I do know the difference between being genuinely ill and panicking but there's always that doubt there yeah. that like really screws me over yeah. do you have any small wins for the week? oh no you have to go first uh, oh I went to the hand therapist oh yeah that was so cool you just tell everyone about that I will tell them about it another time not the time. I just feel like I haven't done my exercises today, so I'm <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, it feels good that I am getting my wrist pain sorted out when it's not really that bad and like before it gets any worse. That's so. That's like the most positive thing ever. Because I think if there's one thing with anyone with chronic injury would say is like, I wish I'd have got help sooner. Yeah. But it's it is hard because you do feel like it has to be really bad before I get help. Yeah, well, especially, like, I got money through Bafan. I was like, do I deserve this money? Like, I feel like I really have to justify the fact that it might get worse. Yeah. My win for the week. My win for the week. My win for the week. I had a really good meeting with my boss, Sis, yesterday. Uh, because I have a job. Did I tell you I have a job? I don't think I did, actually. <laughs> and I often think these wins that we talk about are, like, us finding out something about ourselves and, like, a personal win. But I think part of our meeting yesterday, it was actually really important for me to feel validated at that moment. And that felt like a massive win because it was, like, it's it's difficult when you work so hard and 
you don't always hear that you're doing a good job or like being paid regular money for a job even though it's literal minimum wage there's still part of me that's like am i really worthy to like have this perk of having a regular job in classical music you know yeah and as much as you may not like you may be working to not care about what other people think about you it's never going to be completely like perfect and, and also you know we work in a system or in a society where we have to have external validation in order to get further up the ladder or yeah like we can't live in a society without having some form of external validation to tell us that we're doing a good job Mm. it's I true god you're so fucking wise I swear oh. we're gonna get pizza now <gasps> say goodbye to everybody bye everybody bye if you like this podcast why not check us out on basically anywhere that you get your podcasts or at TMDTA podcast on any of the socials or our website www.thingsmusiciansdonttalkabout.com. See you next time.